0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 15 of the Soft Skills Engineering podcast, the podcast where we talk about all the non-technical sides of software development. I am one of your hosts, Jameson Dance. I am one of your other hosts, Dave Smith. And today we have a special guest, Brad Green. Uh, He is an engineering director at Google. He manages the Angular team, and then he does a bunch of other stuff. Did I get any of that right, Brad?
1: That's all exactly right. Thanks for having me, folks.
0: Ah, good to
2: have you. Let's just dive into our first question. So Dave, do you want to ask it? Yeah, sure. So this question says, how do I deal with non-technical people at work? I often get questions that put me into a position where I have to explain really basic concepts to non-technical people like sales and marketing. They seem to rely on me like a crutch and it gets tiring to have to explain things over and over. How do I strike the right balance of being helpful but not so helpful that they become dependent on me. I want to be helpful, but I don't want to spend ninety percent of my time acting as tech support.
1: Yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough stuff. You know, you know, I think as engineers, we're we're often very far down in our stack, away from explaining stuff to other folks, and so to pop up, it, it is a big drain. Uh, it takes me a long time to get back into coding, into the zone. Um, but I, I actually think there's a lot of value in it, both both for them and for you. Um, for for them, it's you know this is stuff they don't know, and for you, you you know you're you're trying to do something bigger than you can do alone, and like you you know your work may never see the light of day. You may be doing the most fantastic code ever, and if it doesn't get out there and get used, then you might as well not have done it.
2: Yeah, but isn't it, don't I just want to write awesome code? I don't care if it gets used. I, yeah, the code I, is its own reward. <laughs> just the I, sheer yeah, beauty of it. Th-
1: There is that perspective. I, we live in this, <laughs> this world of driving value, though. I mean, like, what, I might as well, I, I could write something else, or I could go carve a rock that I've put face down and nobody sees it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but if it's beautiful. <laughs> if it's beautiful to me, it might be enough. <laughs>
0: They also talk about spending time as tech support. So maybe maybe this is like, hey, how do I print this PDF? Oh,
1: um, boy. <laughs> instead of like,
0: hey, can you help me understand
2: that's this, why this we, product? How I configure the printer
1: way? is not a task anyone enjoys. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> and I don't think anyone actually knows how to do that. No. It <laughs> yeah,
1: doesn't matter how technical you are. <laughs> it cannot be
0: done. Maybe they're being like nerd sniped into someone is just giving them a technical problem and they don't understand it, but they can't pass by not understanding it. So they just like go and figure it out and they feel hijacked. Like, Hey, I can't figure out how to configure this printer. Can you solve it? And they don't want to be like, no, I, I can't. I'm just a developer. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yeah. And then they spend two hours Googling and installing drivers. And then
1: (laughs) Uh, I'm going to choose to interpret this question a different way. Uh, (laughs) Good good choice. I think you're right. (laughs) Which is, which is, Hey, actually it is a tax and it is annoying when I have to pop up out of my stack. Uh, You know, I think if, if this is the case, where it's hey, how, how should users view this thing we're building, and what is it we're trying to accomplish with this part of the software? I, I think it's actually valuable to me as a coder also for understanding what what do our users need because you know whether I'm front end or back end or building hardware, I actually need to know this if I'm going to do a good job because I won't it's, mm-hmm. if I'm not using it. And some a lot of folks work on software that they, they're not primary users of. Mm-hmm. Um, I really need to have some way to have a model for what is good for my users and what's going to be really helpful in their lives.
0: Absolutely. I, t- I totally agree with that. Brad, you kind of mentioned this before when you were talking about the, the give and take, where if, if you don't talk to the product people, it can be really easy for non-technical people to design and sell solutions that have pretty big technical uh, constraints or downsides. And, and that's not a thing you want to get stuck with either. Like they just come back and they're like, Hey, so the customer uh, said they just needed this thing that can like look at this image and then interpret it into a space shuttle. And you're like, well, uh, (laughs) I guess I'm talking to a Google engineer, so you're probably more okay with that. than Like, like oh, we do that all the time.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Like, oh, that's, that's the skunkworks team we have here.
1: Uh, (laughs) we have all these, and I think the thing is like, it needs to be a discussion. Like, you know, the, you know, folks on the outside have valuable info, folks doing development have valuable info. Like we need to pull Mm -hmm. it together.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's an opportunity for you to give feedback as well. Uh, One other thing I was thinking of is meetings get a really bad rap and, and lots of it is deserved. But if you are worried about kind of getting interrupted all the time and tapped on the shoulder, uh, a meeting is not the worst way to solve that problem. Oh yeah. Instead of every time someone has a technical question, they just come and bug you. If you just have like a scheduled 10 minute meeting, then you know you have to focus on this thing, you know you can plan around it and then you can just get it done. Uh, and that's kind of a way to batch up the interruptions. Oh, I totally bit agree, too.
1: office hours. Set it up so you can, uh, I know at this point in my schedule, it's not coding time. I'm gonna get some mm-hmm. coffee. And- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's go get caffeined up and do this. Totally. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) So I have a little story. I I used to work at a company where literally 90% of the staff were engineers or former engineers. And our customers were engineers. It was very technical. And, you know, my manager was an engineer, the CEO was an engineer. Um, and so as a result, we didn't really have a strong sales or marketing team or any really, because it was like, oh, we understand our customers. It's no problem. We don't need like ancillary support people. And I worked there for enough years that I developed a bit of a prejudice against sales and marketing and basically anyone non-technical. Um, and then I I changed jobs to a more typical product development company that produces actual software for non-engineers for pretty much anyone to use and i encountered an amazing sales and marketing team and these people like really knew their stuff about marketing and sales and i was just blown away because prior to that i thought ah, i'm an engineer i can do their job i don't need to help them you know like i don't even need them it's kind of what i thought and then when I actually encountered a real proper professional sales and marketing team, I was just floored with how good they were at their job and how I'm like, I could never do that. And, and I, it really opened my mind to being a willing to like share information with these people. And, um, and I realized like they need information for me and I desperately need them to be successful. And so it helped me to get into this mindset of like, yeah, I will take time with you and explain technical stuff or whatever you need, you know, because I know you're, you're contributing a hugely valuable uh, part of our team
1: yeah absolutely and you know some of this might be stuff you can help with like if if your sales marketing team isn't that great you might in a polite way explain some things you think could be done better
2: oh yeah this engineer comes in hey guys <laughs> I got an idea huh <laughs> tricky. tricky business <laughs> Yeah.
0: <laughs> well do you think we've answered this question? Have we have we shed so light on the?
2: I think we have a. I think problem. there's probably more that needs to be said here. Like, um, I mean, I think we've talked a lot about the mindset and how it can be hard, but like, and we've only talked about one technique for really making it better, which is try to batch these things into like a meeting where you have like a regularly scheduled time. But but how, what do you do when someone comes to you and they're like, hey, um, how do I like click this button or how do I you know how do I use this feature? And you're an engineer, and and you know there are channels for them to get this answer, but you don't want to be rude. Well, are there?
1: Well, there there could be a fact if there's if it's not all long tail questions, like it could be recorded in one place.
2: Good idea. Yeah, maybe produce some documentation for them.
1: Yeah, not Did that people said, will go there okay. if they know where you live and they've asked you a question <laughs> before. See, yeah, that's, that's true.
2: That's the balance that I think is really important to strike because as engineers, we sometimes like so far we've talked about it being annoying, but sometimes uh, we just want to be really helpful. So people come to us with questions. And they're like, yes, I can help you with this. And then they just keep coming back, right? They're like, oh, I know Dave. He always answers my questions. And so I'll go to him. Um, and so there is a balance to be struck there. And I think producing documentation or having like a, a, a help channel um, where, you know, some means where people can actually get answers to questions without having to go directly to the engineers every time um, can be really helpful. I think an FAQ is a great idea for that. And even maybe having like a designated helper on the team. It's like, okay, this is your week to an- to field questions from Uh, people outside of engineering. Mm
0: -hmm. This is also a thing I've seen done by some kind of tech lead role where, um, they, they kind of shield the team a little bit more from interruptions and distractions. And so part of their job is to know all the kind of technical stuff that's going on and also communicate that to other people. I don't know if that's how it works everywhere, but, um, and, and that doesn't mean that you can never, ever like the engineers are these zoo animals behind the glass that you can never talk to. But but yeah. it can be helpful to have an expectation that there is some defined role who deals with more of this stuff.
1: It's true, but then it sucks to be that person, really.
0: <laughs> maybe. <laughs> may,
1: maybe that person likes that
0: kind of thing, it, too. It,
1: yeah, that's true. I, I think it, it's hard for them to grow them. It's hard for them to have technical time to deep dive. Mm-hmm. I
2: mm-hmm. kind of
1: like the rotation idea better because uh, you know everyone needs communication skills work we cannot be too good at it
0: oh okay so it's just kind of a maybe i wasn't listening earlier uh so it's just kind of a role that someone takes on for a while
2: yeah like maybe you've got a team of five engineers and you each take a week
0: yeah that's cool so it's almost like on call but on call yeah. for the the product people yeah, or like the sales take people the office or whatever hour
1: slot this week just here's yeah maybe have like a rotating doc here's questions that have been asked here's what's likely to come up
2: that's cool oh, yeah and, and i think the faq is a great idea because it's like in addition to a rotation where you can like be the person who fields questions you can have like a write through cache of this faq where it's like oh you know this is already answered in our faq Take take a look there and if it's not already answered guess what you're on the rotation so you'll be writing the answer yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a
0: great idea okay, okay so to sum, sum it up answered <laughs> yeah, yeah to sum it up there there are some attitude things where you can kind of work to develop more uh empathy for the product people and understand that talking and communicating will lead to better technical and product decisions and then there's some kind of tactical things like uh batch up the the meetings have office hours have a rotation so it's not all dumped on one person have an faq hopefully some of yeah. that stuff helps yeah cool all right i will read the second question um this is from antonus he actually had a question the other week yeah too. this is good a good job yeah. antonus Double
2: question. I didn't realize that when we picked this, but...
0: I recognize the name. All
2: right. How do I keep
0: up with new technology but avoid being sucked in by hype?
2: Dude, hype is all there is.
0: This is specifically (laughs) about JavaScript frameworks, right?
2: (laughs) (laughs) If it's hyped, it's probably really good, and you should just do it.
0: Yeah, that's true.
2: (laughs) How could that many Twitter thought leaders be wrong, though, really? Well, that's
0: how it works with music, right? Like... It's, it's the number one song, so it's a good song. It must be good. Yeah. And you should switch to it. <laughs> uh, so, Dave and I have dumb jokes. Brad had wise thoughts about this. Maybe, <laughs> oh, maybe we should yeah. hear Brad's wise thoughts.
1: It, it, it is. It, you know, I, I, I may feel like the world is passing me by if I'm not looking at the latest and greatest thing. You know, like, I'm, I'm on Angular 1 or I'm on Backbone or I'm on you know, some, something that isn't the latest thing right now. I, you know, I think there's, there's a new technology every day because these things are fun and semi-easy to write to get started. I think the, the important thing for me, if I'm thinking about, like, put my career building hat on, what, what do I want out of this? Well, obviously, I can't go adopt every new framework, every new library, whatever tool. The, it is interesting, I think, though, to figure out what, tr- what kind of problem are they trying to solve and what are, what are the patterns inside it? that are interesting, because it might mean that those patterns are attractive enough, the infrastructure they've built around those patterns are valuable enough for me to want to switch, which is a giant cost often. Alternatively, it might be that these patterns are something I could use in the current stack that I'm on, and, you know, I think it's the, the that thinking that's replicatable across whatever current technology that I'm using that's really valuable to me because those are the skills that that I grow with over time as an engineer.
0: I really like that thought. So you're saying mm-hmm. you look at like Elm for some example and it has all these cool ideas and and some people might look at it and then look at their code base and be sad because there are all these things that are in, in Elm that you can't do. And you're saying, uh, and, and then it's it's tough to just like throw away everything and rewrite it in some new framework and you're saying look for the things that you can take from that and apply it to your to your code base instead of just say
2: like boy i I sure wish we were using this other thing sucks we can't yes I, i really like that too i had a friend a few years ago who decided to get a master's degree in computer science he had been working for like 10 years and talk about like the ultimate um problem here because it's like you're learning all these new concepts and you want to put them in place, but you can't. Now, master's degrees aren't really known for new technology, but it's like the same kind of problem. And what he told me was uh, like six months or to a year after he got his new degree, he says to me, you know, I can't point my finger specifically at like any particular technologies or tools that I'm doing differently now, but... I have taken principles from my new education and applied them. And he showed me a few examples. And I'm like, that is so cool. And maybe that's the same kind of thing we should be doing with new technologies. Rather than saying, oh, man, I got to get on this new whiz-bang tool. Instead, understand the tool. Figure out what makes the tool great. And then see if you can build that into you. Instead of building it into your product directly.
1: Yeah, there's a saying about uh, like given semantics or syntax, what will people have opinions and argue about? And it's always about <laughs> the syntax. Yep, yep. <laughs> Where the semantics are really the interesting thing because it's what yeah. allows for a good architecture or not, and it's what allows for me to understand what I'm trying to express or not. And like JavaScript is famous for being able to be flexible with semantics and allow me to to take on these new idioms. Uh, mm-hmm. really in whatever particular library I'm in.
2: So there's this concept called uh, fatigue <laughs> that we hear about a bit in the JavaScript community anyway. And I know, you know Brad leads the Angular team or manages the Angular team, so we're talking JavaScript a little bit. But um, let's talk about that, because I've actually been feeling that a little bit lately where um, my team had just begun adopting Redux, which is this new hot framework for managing your data in your front-end web app. And then suddenly this new thing just hit the scene called MobX. And it's like, everyone's talking about how awesome it is, including the author of Redux. And I'm just like, oh man, (laughs) here we are again. Yeah. And so I think it's important for you to just be like, look, no, like, okay, I've been on this merry-go-round, like, you know, I've gone around the the block four times now. No, let's just stick with the tools we have and, and see what happens, you know, build there.
0: Are you familiar with the the hedonic treadmill or hedonic adaption? I don't think so. That sounds like a $5 word. It is a $5 word. I'm about to make myself sound so smart. (laughs) It's this idea that uh, humans get used to things. So you have a small crappy apartment, you move into a really nice apartment, and it briefly makes you happier, but eventually you just get used to it. And then you're not really any happier in the absolute you're you're just like your apartment is nicer, but mm-hmm. day-to-day experience is is about the same. And I wonder if there's that same kind of thing in technology too. Like hmm. you you change to some new thing, and maybe it actually is like in some absolute sense better. Um, at some point you just get used to it and then Hmm. you don't notice that it's better anymore. And then you keep looking for the next better thing. Oh, interesting.
2: Interesting.
1: Yeah. I think we're all guilty of that. It's like new is fun, right? New is perfect also because I've never run into the real problems in it.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No one has written the angry blog post about why I'm leaving mob X because it has all (laughs) these horrible (laughs) things. Because no one's left it yet. It's only yeah, a few months old. <laughs> that's 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 a couple of years away still. There's also, <sighs> so there's the, the kind of positive side where new is really attractive. And then there's also this negative side where it can feel painful to be left behind. Yes. Like the world has moved on without you. Yes, and, and
2: there's a very real cost to that too because if you are using technology, for example, on the web that's 10 years old, you will have a very hard time attracting and retaining engineers for your team. Yeah. Like that's just how it is. But also, I mean, Brad
0: talked about Backbone or, or Angular 1. I bet there are just gigantic piles of teams still writing Backbone. It's just that it's very well understood and, and people aren't talking about solving like crazy new problems in it anymore.
1: Look, if you're, if you're in finance, you're still likely writing COBOL. Like, yeah, a lot yeah.
2: Of <laughs> yep.
0: Yeah, so there's, there's kind of a disconnect between where the hype is and where the people actually are. Yeah, and the hype definitely leads the adoption by a huge margin. So yeah. you can feel like, oh man, I'm That's behind. I'm not on MobX yet. No one is even using Redux yet. People are just mm-hmm. talking about it a, a, mm-hmm. a lot, but a tiny percentage of people writing React apps, I bet, are using Redux or or an Angular apps or, or whatever. App, yeah, yeah. So some of it is recognizing that uh, you're you're not behind. Really, <laughs> people just like to jump yeah. ahead.
2: The other thing that this hype. Uh, cycle does to your mindset is it makes you focus on the tools you're yield that you're using to build the valuable things you're building instead of the valuable things you're building and i think as engineers Mm. we often take our eyes off that prize you know like brad was talking about earlier like we're in this value driven state or at least we should be instead of like looking inward and saying but yeah but the screwdriver i'm using to build this tool or this uh, product is is a crappy screwdriver but it's like think about the end user you know they don't care what technology you're on try to take more pride in building something awesome for your end user than you do in the tools you use to build that thing
1: totally yeah. i mean it's so easy to get uh in the trap of i built some great technology and now i need to find a uh, problem for it to solve We, we, we do that <laughs> yeah. at google i mean we yeah. love technology it happens
0: yeah it's it's also uh If you jump from new thing to new thing it's hard to get deep into a product kind of going with what dave was saying if if you build a to-do app in every new framework it's hard to really like polish and make that the best to-do app ever because you have to throw it away and start over with every new every new Mm -hmm. thing that comes out so Mm -hmm. um i think you can build a lot better and more solid products by diving deeply into something
2: let's talk a little bit about how you actually take time to learn about new tools and technologies and really assess them instead of just reading tweets about them how do you do that
1: uh you know i i someone i used to work at this company called next computer and i remember there was this guy named alan markham there and he he made a point this was you know i had been at work for a year uh 1991 and he said hey look as a software professional part of your job is to go be learning new things go be building on new technologies learning these new patterns because if you're not you're actually not really a software professional you're a coder's assistant oh <laughs> um, assistant to the coder <laughs> which yeah like because uh, you know if i don't know enough to think about architecture and design and know, have a whole bunch of techniques I can use, then I, I either just implement with rudimentary skills, or, or there's someone else at my company who is dictating that stuff, and I don't ever get to grow into it. Hmm. So I think that like we should have a lot of motivation to go do this. Uh, and you know, enlightened companies will give me space to do it and actually have a culture of a sharing knowledge, and maybe I could bring that enlightenment to my company. And if not, like I, I do have to kind of do that on my own. I have to make space to go do it somehow. Open source projects are a nice way to do it. Like, if there's things that I can go contribute to, but it, it is hard. It's hard to make space and have a balanced life. Is that, yeah, something- I think a lot of,
2: oh, go ahead. Go ahead James. No, y- no,
0: you, no, 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 you. <laughs> okay. Is that something that Google explicitly does? I know there's a, a bunch of talk about 20% time. Uh, how, how do you do that? Is that a team-by-team thing, or is it a company-wide thing? Or, or uh, we,
1: we used to have 20% time. And what, what we found was that uh, you know, we used to have this thing called the Project Database inside Google. And there at some point, there was two projects for every engineer. And so you <laughs> can assume that they were all great, uh, but no, they weren't.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's huge.
1: And so we don't, we don't really have formal 20% time, but we still have this culture of learning new bits and sharing them with tech talks. And I think if you approach your manager and said, "Hey, I really want a week to go investigate this new thing," it's pretty easy to get. But the model I like better is where we have a, a sort of team-wide like innovation week or hack week or something where in a group I can go explore things because I feel feel like I get a lot further if I if I try to build something bigger with a team.
0: Sure. Mm. Yeah, that's uh, that's what we do at my current company. There's a, a week every quarter where the whole company just just does whatever they want. And you have to kind of show something off at the end of the week, so you can't just go play Badminton all week, but uh, <laughs> Badminton week. Yeah, the constraints <laughs> I love are Badminton week. <laughs> are very uh, there aren't very many constraints, I guess. You just get to pick some problem, try and build anything to to solve whatever problem is interesting to you. And
2: it, it is Are they supposed to be related to the company's mission?
0: Yeah, they're supposed to be related. Um, but that's a pretty it turns out there are a lot of things you can do, and then convince people they're related to the company's mission. <laughs> it's not a so very do you constraining thing. So, do you tend
2: thing. to use new technologies during this time?
0: You can. Some people do. Some people are more interested in exploring product-focused things, where they're like just just trying out some new solution. And some people are interested in in exploring technical things. But it's up to up to the whoever's doing it.
1: Yeah, I think it's good. It also, back to the earlier question, it, it puts the tech support stuff on pause because, uh, hey, we're all focused on this new thing. My meetings stop. It makes space for me. <laughs> yeah, yep. hey, there you, you go.
2: Know. Yep. <laughs> so that's like a, an extra answer to the first question. Just yeah. do Hack Week, <laughs> you won't have any questions anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, when you're looking at new technologies, what kind of metrics do you use to actually determine is this going to be better than what we currently
1: have? Uh, I don't think there's any way to know. Uh, I think like empirical evidence is the, is the only way. Uh, and also, maybe don't judge a new technology too early, just given how much Angular 1 sucked at the beginning. Uh, <laughs> I, like, people always say, hey, wow, Angular, Angular just really appeared on the scene and went crazy. Uh, and I think they, they didn't see the first three years of it where it was unusable and horrible.
2: <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point
0: um i i also have similar experience with the early reaction to react which was like xml in my javascript and then like on click handlers everywhere and and there are a lot of things that um look horrible because they remind you of some horrible thing but it's hard to (laughs) understand why it's different now at the very beginning you just see see something that looks like a pattern that sucked before and you assume it sucks now
2: have you ever heard of a company that adopts a new technology after doing some kind of empirical measurement on it to, to prove that it's actually better in some way?
1: No, what they do is they build a spreadsheet then they put numbers and, and they already, the person who's building the spreadsheet knows the answer they want to get to. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's always cooked. Yeah. Uh, there's no objective evaluation method. Not really.
2: Well, you see, React has five stars in this spreadsheet.
1: Yeah, yeah I added the columns up. Look, obviously.
2: <laughs> you know, they say the hardest part about being data-driven is finding data to uh, validate your assumptions. No, it's plenty of <laughs> data. <idea. laughs> I have also never heard of it. And it makes me wonder, like, why are we always chasing these rainbows? You know, like, why, are we, why is there so much hype when it all just comes down to, like, well, I like it.
1: Well, I think it's because there is no objective evaluation criteria. And so then we fall back to, well, how how could I move this thing forward? And it's, it's help.
0: Yeah. I I think new technologies at a company, in my experience, seem to be driven by evangelism much more than by absolute empirical data, Mm -hmm. because like Brad said, that's hard to come up with. Someone just likes it and they're convincing and then other people like it and become
2: convinced. So it comes down to marketing.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's some things you can do, like you could build a benchmark, but I've never seen a benchmark that actually plays out at macro scale to mean that much.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: So until you really (laughs) build the real thing and put it in production, it's hard to know.
2: As a leader on on my team, what I have done, and this is actually really hard to do up front, you can only really do it after you've chosen to adopt a new technology, is I ask the developers how happy they are with it and basically if i get a lot of nods and smiles and then i think it was a good technology choice and if i get a lot of like you know face palms and and epic size then i think it was a bad technology choice but that runs
0: into another problem which is developer happiness doesn't always correspond to getting business goals done like what if they're really happy reinventing wheels because they're on some new technology (laughs) that doesn't have uh like a, a, an Express clone yet or a, a Sinatra clone or whatever, <laughs> then then they get to be the person that writes that and it feels really good. That's a good point, that's a good point. But like, that's a solved problem already in many other technologies. So, I, yeah. Yeah, but I live that old one did do this, a this thing
1: I care about exactly right, so. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go rebuild the math.round function
0: yeah <laughs> math <Brad>
2: round. <laughs> it's an upgrade it's so round <laughs> well so i want to talk about one more thing here so i think we, we're pretty much coming down on the side of being on the front the bleeding edge of the hype cycle is a really bad place to be and i'll just give you an example of why that is so at my company we are pretty aggressive not the most aggressive but we're pretty aggressive about adopting new technologies and as i think back over the last four years and count the major patterns in our web front end there are literally four and maybe more um and this is one product right so as a web front end developer at my on my team when you jump into a piece of code you might have to ramp up on one of four very different technologies depending on where you land in the code base And that's because it's actually really hard to thoroughly adopt a new technology when you actually have a business with real requirements, you know? And so I think it's an important thing to ask yourself if you're considering adopting a new technology is, as a business or a team, can we afford to fully adopt this technology? Or are we going to end up with like a melting pot of uh, lots of different technologies and tools in our app?
1: Yeah, it's very expensive to, to do a switch or to fully adopt something. Do you think end to end all of the implications?
0: Yeah, absolutely, Dave. You you said it's bad. I I would be a little more. I'd, I'd hedge my bets a little more and say it's it's expensive. Um, but someone is doing it, right? I mean, every new technology, technology, some company jumps on it and then writes all these breathless blog posts about it. And then they become <laughs> like the, the, that technology company and there mm-hmm. are benefits to it, uh, like recruiting and, and marketing and, and then maybe some technical ones if, if the technical stuff turns out to be really solid, but it definitely is expensive.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with that.
0: Okay. Do you want to sum up our, uh, our thoughts on this question, Dave?
2: Uh, new technology is awesome. You should adopt all of them. If they're hyped, they're good. Do it. Okay. <laughs> Did I get it right? <laughs> uh, Brad, do you want to sum up our <laughs> thoughts on this question? <laughs>
1: so I, I think the things that I I would care most about is, for me, tr- like I should ed- take my own education in my own hands. And if there is something new and seems t- at the top of the hype stack, I should not necessarily think I need to adopt it, but I should go learn what's behind it. What problems are they trying to solve and how are they approaching it?
2: I think that's really solid advice. Fundamentals semantics. I love it.
0: Okay. I think that wraps up our questions for today. Um, Brad, if people like the stuff you say and they want to learn more about you or hear more from you, how do, how do they do that?
1: I am on Twitter. Bradley Green, B-R-A-D-L-Y. I'm an adverb, Green, and <laughs> nice. uh, you know I actually talked a little bit about this at an ACM conference in New York a couple weeks ago, where I was talking about engineering teams and the power of being inclusive, and that should be hitting YouTube in a couple weeks. I'll share it on on Twitter.
0: Awesome. Cool. And as always, if you like what we're doing here, if you can rate us on iTunes, that helps us out. If you can tweet about the show, that helps us out a lot. We really appreciate mm-hmm. your support. And if you have questions that you would like us to answer, direct message or Twitter, Twitter us, <laughs> direct message us or tweet us at soft skills, ENG, and then we'll throw them in the queue. Thank you so much for coming, Brad. We really appreciate the wisdom yeah. that you lend to us. Oh,
1: it was super fun. Thanks.
0: And we will talk to y'all later. Bye. All
2: right. Thanks, everybody. Bye.